closing the gap. So this um, phrase I first heard by Adi Ashanti, and it was actually his teacher, Arvis Justi, that used the phrase. Um, and the phrase talked about um, the difference, sort of the discordancy between what we know and how we act, how we behave, what we say. But there's a there's a gap in between those two things, and uh, the spiritual journey, in some way, is to close the gap between the two, so that more and more how we are in the world, how we are within ourselves, um, becomes more and more congruent with what we actually know. And this is this is true before and after awakening. Before awakening, um, we can just notice it in our day-to-day life. And you know, we don't have to talk about um, you know, big spiritual concepts to get the sense of this um discordancy. I mean, even I mean, we know it's we shouldn't really eat that whole bag of economy-sized potato chips, and and yet we do. You know, we know that yoga is good for the body, and yet we may not do it as often as we know that we should. Or on a more subtle level, we may know that, in essence, um, this awareness is impersonal, and yet we may continue to operate from a very personal perspective. In other words, what's what's in it for me? You know, what's best out of this situation? What can I, what do I stand to gain? What do I stand to lose? Um, so we may have had um, a, a deep, uh, sincere realization, true seeing of our um, fundamental nature as awareness. And uh, as strange as it sounds, we may continue to operate most of the time, not, not all the time, but often from a perspective of, uh, yeah, it's still me as a separate self, and occasionally I will uh, have the good grace to fall into this awareness. E- even after we recognize that the awareness is fundamental and always present, this, this sense of it in this body can feel like, yeah, but most of the time I'm here living this sort of separate personal life, even though I've recognized um, this much more expansive state of spaciousness, spacious awareness. So it's sort of an odd place, and it doesn't get resolved right away. The recognition of our essential nature might happen in a moment right moment of sudden insight it's all it takes oh my gosh that which i've been looking for maybe for decades is what i've always been was never absent i was just looking in the wrong direction it was here all along and i was looking for it there I just mistook myself for being a separate self, but 
I can suddenly see that there is this awareness that um, is very intimate and yet not personal. So we can have that sudden insight full, full on. If we see it, we see it completely, right? We might mistake what it is. We might lose sight of it five minutes later or five days later. Um, but that scene can be, when it happens, it is complete in a sense. We see see what, in a flash, what we essentially are. Immensely liberating. Even, even to know that, even to have known it and lost the sense of it, is still... Um, there's still a residual there that um, I've seen uh, the fundamental nature of my existence. And the mistake that we make is, how do I get it back? I've lost it, and how do I get it back? So the presumption that it somehow disappeared, right? It was here for a moment, and then it's now gone. And how do I get it back? So again, we're back in that mode of looking for it outside of ourselves. It's, it was here. That was nice, but now it's gone, and I have to go back to looking for it. And we may continue to miss it for some time until you know, maybe we stop seeking quite so hard, and then, oh, there it is again. And then that path back to that awareness becomes more well-trodden and we're able to find our way home much more easily and much more frequently and then there comes a point when we recognize that it's not actually absent but even then there can still be that recognition which is quite clear and um, this body-mind not being completely on board with that. I mean, maybe some of the conditioning gets blown away in the moment of awakening. That happens. But it's, I don't know of any case where it was blown away entirely. You know, there's always some residual conditioning, maybe a lot of it, maybe a little of it, but there's always some residual conditioning that needs to be looked at. So there can there can still be this sense of um, the awakeness is I've seen that and I still there still can be a sense of um, yeah but there still feels like a separate me over here that occasionally is able to access that awakeness so that's the gap we're talking about sometimes it's called embodiment right embodying what we know. Um, it's almost like we can recognize the awakeness, but th these body minds are, you know, material objects. So they, there's a greater density than awareness, and so it it just takes a little longer for the what we know to penetrate for these body minds to get the minimum of what we've actually recognized. So. That's just the way it is. So in in Zen, they they have a longstanding argument. They have you know two you know prominent schools of Zen. One insists that awakening is sudden, and the other one insists that it's gradual. And um, I mean, it's really what we're talking about here, right? The, 
the, the insight can be sudden and the embodiment can be gradual. <laughs> it takes a while. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, and by not overnight, I mean it can be, I see it sort of as an erosional process um, over a period of time. I would say probably um, a decade is about right. Maybe even, you know, 10 to 15 years, you know, to really, really settle into what has been seen and to see the implications of it. And that, that can sound discouraging, but in the meantime, you, you know that everything is okay. It's just that this um, sort of the seeing it from the perspective of this body-mind um, just takes a little longer, you know. And what that is is seeing through um, the conditioned um, beliefs primarily. So when, um, when we first have a glimpse of our awake nature um, and then come back to this sense of separate personal self, uh, the natural tendency is, well, what, what can I do so I can have that all the time, right? And so we're sort of, in a sense, we're sort of, this is sort of ego grasping after um, what I want. I want to have that experience and I want to have it consistently, preferably all the time. And so this is this is a grasping, you know, it's it's the ego trying to improve its how it feels, right? I had a glimpse. I want more. So this is the ego coming back in and and just wanting something better. And this actually, this movement actually gets in the way. You know, we think it's like you know, I'm just determined to you know be more fully in that space. But it's actually the ego trying to grasp onto something that's already present. So it's actually the grasping that pushes it away and makes it feel more distant. But what we can do, so what I'm saying is that's counterproductive. Natural, but counterproductive. But what we can do is look at the ways that unawakeness creeps in, which is basically um, believing some story. Right? often about ourselves or about the other person. So what we can do that is productive is to feel when we've um, feel that contraction into a separate self. You can feel it in the body, often in the belly, you know, pulling away. And when we, when we feel that, um, it's an opportunity actually. What what many people do is say, well, that's not right. You know, I'm a spiritual person. Maybe I've had a glimpse and uh, I shouldn't feel that way. But I I would suggest just the opposite, that to see ways that we get caught in our personal selfhood, all that sticky conditioning, when those arise, those are opportunities to really look at that. I know it's not as much fun, but that's actually the path. 
because it's something that we can actually do. You know, we can trust that that awakeness is there and will always be there and couldn't be otherwise. We can learn to trust that, but we can still get hooked by our dysfunctional conditioning. So what we can do with that kind of sticky, you know, petty, you know, self-blaming, arrogant, prideful, you know, self-defamation, whatever whatever our tendency is, um, we can see that if we're willing to see that conditioning in ourselves without going the next step to blame ourselves for it or to condemn ourselves or to feel shame or whatever whatever the our tendency might be without going to that next step just staying with the raw feeling of it not running away and not judging it it's, it sounds like we're not doing anything but what we're actually doing is allowing our innate awareness to be present for something that um, isn't in harmony with that awareness. And the miracle is that that awareness has a curative effect. I have no idea how it works. All I know is that it does. To just be present. You know, we feel like we have to do something that if we're just sort of present for it, nothing will change. But I'd suggest just the opposite. When we're willing to be present for it, not run away from it, not judge it, not make any conclusions about what our identity is, but just to be with it. Things change. That That's what we can do when those periods of sort of unawakeness arise. That's our opportunity to look at it. It's in a sense, it's life saying, well, how about now? You know, how um, can can you see your awakeness in this moment? Or maybe not. You know, if it's the answer is, well, maybe not, then that's an opportunity to look. So Nisargadatta once talked about something that um, stunned me when I when I first read it, just the, uh, you know, this the uh, directness of it. And he talked about our um, uh, willingness to perpetuate our own suffering. In other words, in other words, we always have a choice. You know, when something, some dysfunctional conditioning arises, we have a choice. We can either uh, pay attention, be with it, notice it, sense into it without judgment, or we can live with it the rest of our life and suffer because of it. And it's only our willingness to perpetuate our own suffering that causes it to perpetuate, right? But if we are willing and have enough integrity and self-honesty to really be willing to look at that without 
about saying, well, that shouldn't be happening. You know, I've come too far. You know, I shouldn't be feeling this way. You know, I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't be depressed. I shouldn't be judgmental. It's happening. It's happening, you know, and we can, we can just be with that. And that's, that's really the, um, the path to letting, letting those tendencies subside. And this is something we don't have to wait till after awakening to, um, you know, be remain present for, um, you know, when something uncomfortable arises. It's actually the discomfort that causes us to bring attention to it, right? So just because we, we, there's a discomfort there doesn't mean that we're on the wrong track. But again, by discomfort, I don't mean self-defamation. I don't mean guilt. I don't mean shame, right? That's that's another layer of judgment that we add on top of the actual experience. So even before awakening, we can notice when when we feel off, right? And we can be willing to look at that. You know, just see see where it arises from. See what stories we're telling ourselves. See if those stories are true. They may have some some truth to it, but are they really true? What we know deeply. Of course, when we do that before we recognize our true nature, it it can be it is more difficult. You know, it's it it can feel a little bit like, um, you know, doing you know, performing your own appendectomy on yourself. It feels like, you know, sort of carving away your own, what you take yourself to be. And so it's it's difficult. After after we recognize what we truly are, it, it is easier. That same process is easier because it doesn't feel so personal. And we can look back at our conditioned body mind and see yeah that's how it got conditioned right through no particular choice of my own it just happened along the way and so when when we look at that let's say dysfunctional behavior it it just doesn't feel so personal because we know that essentially it isn't what i am once we recognize our let's say, original nature as this capacity of being present for whatever's happening. Yeah. Okay, so um, so that's sort of the, the, the process is um, more and more um, we can access that awareness more and more. The identity may still be parked in the separate self, and I see that as as an erosional process that we we know that this awareness is more fundamental, but it feels like no, it's me still here. Okay. I remember even um, after um, the awakeness became stabilized, um, I would still go home at night and drink some wine and just as a way to um, 
you know, sort of compensate this body for pushing it too hard during the day, you know, sort of, um, you know, personal bodily gratification of some kind. And, and uh, that went on for maybe a year or two after the awakeness stabilized. And um, it seemed a little, seemed a little, it was incongruent congruent with what I knew. And then one night at, at I was having dinner with a friend and um, they said, uh, I went to order a bottle of wine. I said, they said, well, do you really need that? And it was in that moment that I recognized that um, that whole tendency was out of a desire to um, uh, change the circumstances externally, you could say, uh, in order to benefit in what I took it to be as a benefit uh, to this body. In other words, to improve my experience. Right? And in that same moment, I recognized that I was actually okay to be, remain present for whatever circumstance arose. No, that was that was the end of it. That was I mean, seventeen years ago. So, but the um, I'll, I'll give one other example. There was also a time again in this same period um, when there was a sense of yes, this awakeness is present, and um, I'd still like to improve things. For my benefit, right? still trying to manage, still having sort of an energetic position in how things would turn up, and um, which was basically, you know, a, a greedy tendency, right? It's like been given everything and wanting more. So this is the ego. This is the ego, just um, again trying to maximize its pleasure, maximize its experience. So we can, you know, these, these things aren't easy to see in oneself, um, but that is the, that is the journey, right? Is to see, see these tendencies and see that they're not really in alignment with what we deeply know to be sure. And the more we go down that road, um, and again, it's, you know, I see it as a period of, you know, quite a few years um, with, you know, the, it, <laughs> the intensity and the frequency tend to diminish over time, but it, there's no apparent end to it because we're talking about these material forms, right? And where, where that leads to is the spaciousness that we essentially are experiencing the world, <laughs> his body, everything, right? And so it's, it's in essence, it's um, it's one, one beingness experiencing itself through the perspective of this particular body-mind. And we all do that. We may recognize that's what's happening or we may not, 
but that's what's already happening that we its existence recognizing itself as the un perpetual unfolding of existence of itself beautifully and it's not a personal there's not a personal entity there we have to convince ourselves of that it's again counterproductive to take anybody's word for it but what we can do is just um, look <laughs> for ourselves often not look through the eyes of philosophy and what so-and-so said but really open to the question i wonder if that could actually be true you know that there's not an individual entity here there's a function clearly there's life happening no doubt it's just not personal. 